like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody, that. and welcome like to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know it's been a little bit since we've recorded a show for a Friday, but yet here we are. We are here. We are alive at some point in time. It's four, what time is it? 4.51 on this Thursday afternoon, and obviously it's coming out Friday morning for you. The freaking Pop-Tart Bowl just started between Kansas State and North Carolina State. It is going to be a fun, active, hilarious, as per usual, show. But before we get into all of that awesome, fun stuff, we've got to go over housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram accounts Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search The Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And of course, the main thing you can do is follow The Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a rating on five stars on both in the description down below and why you feel the way you do. And as well, go and check out TheLoganBlackmanShow.com. You can check out blog posts on there. We're going to have a blog post coming out for you on Monday, which is New Year's Day. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. <laughs> but we're working on it. We're working on it. And it should be done by the time New Year's Day rolls around. It is our first official mock draft of the 2024 mock draft season. Obviously, did with the, we did the completely useless and meaningless and stupid and uninformative mock draft like a month or two ago. Remember that awesome one that we did? We think we did the reasoning for like 10 picks and then just kind of went scattergun approach with the rest of the, <laughs> with the, rest of the draft. And it's going to look a little different. It's going to look a little different. The draft order is completely different, obviously. Things change drastically around this time. I think like, like I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a top 10 pick around that time in the draft. I think the Bears had the top two picks in the draft. And right now, they still have the number one overall pick, but they also hold, the I think, the eighth overall pick right now. Regardless, we're going to go over the top 10 of that draft, the new draft that we have. We're going to have the rest of it come out for you again on Monday. we got to have a little teaser in there every once in a while. But it's going to be fun, so make sure you go and check out TheLoganBlackmanShow.com again, and you can check out links to the podcast and different links to all the social media accounts on there as well. So you've got more than just the blog post, but the blog posts are, of course, the main things you can check out. And this show is actually going to be the last one in 2023, so give yourselves a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. We have made it. Let's slap the table a little bit. We made it to 2024. I guess not officially yet. It's still December 28th right now, December 29th when the show comes out. So we got still got a couple more days but we've got some exciting days ahead because the college football playoff, Iowa State, are all playing this weekend. I guess Iowa's playing on Monday. But again, we're not going to have a show on New Year's Day. We'll have the blog post after that. I just feel like a broken record at this point. We just keep skipping and going back and forth, back and forth. But we'll get into all that stuff. We'll obviously get into all that stuff. But this is one of the earlier shows I've recorded in recent dates. Not like insanely stupid early. It's still... It's still almost 5 o'clock. Usually we record shows, though, around 7 because of all the different games that are on. So we'll try to get some sort of sporting event on while I'm recording a show just so I can look over and see something and commentate on something while we're recording. Like, again, right now it's NC State versus Kansas State. And obviously Kansas State's quarterback, Will Will Howard, uh, is transferring, which came as a kind of a shocker. We don't know where he's transferring yet. If he has transferred somewhere officially, I have not seen it yet. I wouldn't be surprised Maybe if he transferred down to Texas A&M, because I didn't know this till last night, Colin Klein, who was the offensive coordinator at Kansas State, and obviously a Heisman finalist quarterback for Kansas State back in the day, has now taken the OC job at Texas A&M, following Mike Elko down from Duke. 
So that's a couple of good hires for the AM Aggies. Not the big name flashy hires that they usually look for, like the Jimbo Fishers of the world and stuff like that, but they're solid hires. Mike Elko helped turn around that Duke Blue Devils program to the fact where they're in a bowl game without their starting quarterback, and they're still third string quarterback, technically, in Loftus, and they go out and beat a very good Troy team. Like, that's the kind of stuff you see. They've been competitive all year. They obviously blamed Clemson week one. They were competitive against Notre Dame until Riley Leonard got hurt. They are competitive against Florida State until Riley Leonard got hurt again. Like, they're a competitive football team. They took North Carolina to, I think, two or three overtimes. It was two or three. I can't remember which, <laughs> which one exactly it was. But just a good, well-run program. So I'm excited to see what AM turns into. But, man, Will Howard transferring. That was one of the shocking ones. And speaking of Riley Leonard as well, he's another guy that transfers. He's going to Notre Dame, obviously. We've got a few uh, oddballs translating. Miami's quarterback Tyler Van Dyke transferred to Wisconsin this offseason following Tanner Mordecai's shoes, who transferred from SMU to Wisconsin. One of their big-name quarterbacks, Cameron Ward, is still in the transfer world. Haven't heard anything official about him yet. Obviously, Kyle McCord transferred from Ohio State to what looked like Nebraska and then ended up taking his talents up north to Syracuse. And then we've got, who else? Dylan Gabriel transferring from Oklahoma all the way up to Oregon and says eight approves in regards to Marcus Mariota. He will be wearing number eight at Oregon, arguably Oregon's greatest ever player of the modern era, at least the most popular player of people that are my age. If you remember watching that version of Oregon Oregon Ducks football, you watched some awesome, awesome, awesome games. It, like Pad 12 After Dark, and you were in middle school at the time, like early high school, middle school age, your parents would let you stay up for at least a half to watch Oregon football. That's how electrifying they were at the time. And it's so funny thinking about how insane and fun that Oregon team was when they had somebody like Marcus Mariota, who's not, who's seemingly, if you watch the quarterback documentary, not seemingly like the most electric outgoing person ever. So it's kind of funny that he's the quarterback of the most electric outgoing football team of the, of the 21st century, seemingly like that team was so fun. Unfortunately, did not win a national championship and this year's Oregon team will not be able to do the same thing try to compete for a national championship. They could have if they beat Washington like we thought they would. But Washington, you know, obviously had other things on on tap in that game. And Michael Penix beat Bo Nix for the third time in their Washington-Oregon career, which is not very fun for Mr. Nix, who was sitting behind Michael Penix bar at the Heisman ceremony. And they were bringing that up while talking about Michael Penix. Like, yeah, you beat that dickhead behind you three times. That's freaking crazy. Like, imagine how much that guy sucks, right? Imagine losing to this guy like three times in a row. That guy must be terrible. Oh, hi, Bo Nix. How are you doing today? Yeah, you came third in the Heisman. So you technically lost four times to Michael Penix this year. You lost, or this, in your career at Oregon. Three times this year, which is pretty damn insane, actually. Like, Bo Nix just sitting there minding his own business, and the guy sitting directly in front of him not only beat him three times, two times the regular season, beat him once in the conference title, and then beat him in the Heisman race. Now, neither of them won the Heisman Trophy. But it is kind of funny that that <laughs> is it not? Or is that this the cynic in me that's being really mean to Mr. Bonix? I have nothing against Bonix. I thought that the dude would finish second in the Heisman. Like we were going from the start of the season, I thought Michael Penix played much better than Bonix. Towards the end of the season, I thought Bonix played much better than Michael Penix. They're both playing around the similar level of competition. It wasn't like one was playing superior competition and the other one was playing lesser competition. No, they were about the same. They both played USC in the latter stage of the season. Like, comparing there, they both played Arizona State in the latter stage of the season, and Bo Nix played significantly better against Arizona State than Michael Penix did. But I don't, we're splitting hairs here in regards to who really should have finished second and third in the Heisman. I think the guy who won the Heisman was the right guy who won the Heisman, 
And Marvin Harrison Jr., unfortunately, just being the fact that he's a wide receiver playing in college football and all the quarterbacks had very good years, naturally, he's going to come in last. Like the year Devontae Smith won it, like Mac Jones was the quarterback. And Devontae Smith felt like he got 90% of the yards Mac Jones was throwing out there because Jalen Wild got hurt during the season. Like before the season started, and even the before Waddle got hurt, Jalen Waddle was the better receiver, and I think is ah is it who would you say is better? Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle? I like Jalen Waddle a lot, and I think it's funny, Jalen Waddle has battled more injuries in the NFL so far to this point. I'm not sticking at that as they're like hundred percent factual, just from what I feel. <laughs> it feels like Jalen Waddle gets hurt a lot more than Devontae Smith. And that was the biggest fear going into the NFL for Devontae Smith is that he's this slight dude. He's like listed at six foot 170 and he's a very skinny guy, but Jalen Wiles battled some injuries. Now he came into the NFL injured. He had that busted up angle and that kick return opening game against Tennessee that year or opening game, opening kickoff return against Tennessee was like week four or five or something that season, the COVID season, obviously it was just a messy year too. Trevor Lawrence came, I think second in the Heisman that year. And he sat out a couple games due to COVID. But it was kind of funny because Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence had COVID but was still on the sideline for the Notre Dame versus Clemson game, which was like DJU's big coming out game, which he's another quarterback that's transferring. I, I don't know where DJU is transferring. That one didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know if someone big is coming into Oregon State or what, but I don't know where DJU is going to go. Like, it confuses the hell out of me. Like, there's just a bunch of quarterbacks that are moving on right now. It's insane. And you got like quarterbacks that are opting out of bowl games. Obviously, Caleb Williams opted out of USC's bowl game, but Miller Moss, man, that dude freaking balled out last night for USC against Louisville. And I saw a bunch of like interesting takes on Twitter about like Caleb Williams. I don't know how real these takes are. I know Gus Johnson said something on the broadcast that said Caleb who, which I think is absolutely insane to say about a guy who just won the Heisman Trophy a season before. And they were trying to say Caleb Williams is a system quarterback. But we could also just look at this from the fact, the standpoint of this is a one-off game. This USC team is not the same UST team that took place week whatever against UCLA. This is a one-off team. This team is not going to look the same next year. It didn't look the same since last week of the regular season. You had opt-outs, you had injuries, and all that sort of thing. And it was just a fun game. Your first ever start, just let loose. That's kind of fun. USC had zero semblance of a rushing attack in that game until later in the game, and Miller Moss has carved up the Louisville secondary. Like, it was a fun game to watch. And Miller Moss, I don't know if he's going to be the starter next year. We know Lincoln Riley loves himself some transfer quarterbacks. You look at the, the three quarterbacks he's most famous for, they're all transfers. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Caleb Williams are all transfers. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Lincoln Riley tried to dip his hand back in the transfer cookie jar, but it's not all, the grass isn't always greener. Maybe you could get DJU. Maybe you could get Cameron Ward. I don't know. But Miller Moss definitely staked a claim to being, hey, or saying, hey, I can be that guy for you next year. We'll have to wait and see, though. But Caleb Williams, on the sideline for the game, looked like he was having a lot of fun on the sideline. Obviously talked to Miller Moss for a while after the game was over. Just had his hand over him and just talking to him. I mean, it's an emotional game. Caleb Williams is done playing college football, seemingly. He hasn't confirmed or denied anything about going to the NFL, but missing the bowl game not to go pro would be kind of crazy unless he's transferring again, but... Well, obviously, we think he's going to the NFL. We're like 99% sure Caleb Williams is going to the NFL. But we don't know. But Miller Moss definitely put a right good, put out a really good performance. Six touchdown passes, the Holiday Bowl record. Like, that was fun to see. Matt Leinert standing on the sideline. You got some USC legends all around you in that game. Matt Leinert, Caleb Williams is there. And you can, you can scoff at me saying Caleb Williams is a legend. That dude is insane. 
USC played one of the hardest schedules of the latter parts of the season than anybody in all college football. I think they said no one played more Power 5 conference teams than USC did this year. And given how horrific their defense is, was, is, and forever will be until they get something (laughs) until Lincoln Riley probably leaves because Lincoln Riley does not believe in defense. You look at Oklahoma's trips to the college football playoff, blitzed damn near every single time (laughs) he went to the college football playoff. But you look at those games that they had against Notre Dame, even against Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, they got absolutely blitzed. It was terrible. Not fun to watch. And I've said this a thousand times. It's hard enough to compete against the other team. It's even harder to compete against your own defense. Makes it damn near impossible to do anything. Win a game? Like, yeah, good luck. That game against Cal was an absolute, what was that, 50-49 to 49 or 50-48 to 48 or something? Like craziness. Absolute craziness. But I don't even know where we were going with it. <laughs> oh, about Caleb Williams being one of the greatest. Like, it, Caleb Williams is an all-time great. He is. Before he, before this insane stretch of games, Caleb Williams' numbers were better than what we saw during his Heisman campaign. Like, dude was on pace to have an insane year this year. And they just ran into a buzzsaw of defenses and then a buzzsaw of their own defense as well. Just not fun. But, again, Miller Moss, great performance. Caleb Williams, not a system quarterback. Let's just stop that. Caleb who was insanely disrespectful by Gus Johnson. <laughs> that was insanely disrespectful. I don't know if he meant it to sound like that, but you cannot go Caleb who to the guy who's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and the soon-to-be first overall pick in the draft. You cannot do that. And that's, that's a hypothetical. We don't know if he's actually going to be the first overall pick. Many things can happen from now until the NFL draft, which again in April. Like, we're sitting here on uh, December 28th. We are four months, five months away from the NFL draft. Four months away. Five, four months away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because December 28th, January 28th, January 28th to February 28th, February 28th, I don't, thank God it's February, December 28th. Because if I said anything like February 30th, oh my goodness, <laughs> December, February 28th to March 28th, and then yeah, March 28th to April 28th. I think the draft might actually be on April 28th. Is it on April 28th? Let's check it. Let's check it. Let's check it. Might as well check it. Let's check it. Why did I just search April 28th? That makes no sense. NFL draft. Come on. 2024. When is the draft? Ah, April 25th. It's actually over on this day in four months' time. But again, we got a long, 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 long ass time until that's the case. But with that being said, might as well just go over the mock draft now. I didn't know how we were going to structure today's show. I didn't know how we were going to start today's show. But this is a situation which we find ourselves in. So, obviously, Caleb Williams sat out of the bowl game. Drake May sat out of the bowl game yesterday for North Carolina as they lost to West Virginia in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, which I was looking this up. Dukes-Mayo is the third largest mayonnaise distributor in America. Behind Hellman's, obviously, and Kraft. Who buys Kraft mayonnaise? I've never been in a household ever and seen Kraft mayonnaise. Kraft mayonnaise? I see it at Hy-Vee. Well, I, don't, I, I am aware of its existence, but I have never seen anybody buy Kraft mayonnaise. Hellman's mayonnaise are bust, and now Duke's mayonnaise, which I want to try some Duke's mayonnaise because they were eating it in the freaking press box. They were eating, like, pepperoni rolls. I think that's what they called them. And they were dumping mayonnaise on them, and you're just sitting in the broadcast, and just you're, um, um, that's, um, that mayonnaise is pretty good. If this mayonnaise is, if West Virginia's performance is, like, like this mayonnaise, it's, um, it's going to be pretty good. Or something like that. It was insane. I was like, what are we doing? We're not actually eating in the broadcast, right? 
Ah, uh, that drink of beer was very good. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my it was odd. It was very odd. But we have another like Jaden Daniels has also announced he's not playing the bowl game. Bo Nix, I think, is playing in the bowl game and he's playing in the uh Fiesta Bowl against Liberty, you know, how everybody predicted Oregon versus Liberty before the season started. Which I'm not surprised. Bo Nix is dragging this SOB out as long as he freaking can. He already holds the record for the most college starts in college football history. Most starts in college football history. Most college starts in NFL history. <laughs> he has the most college starts in college football history, obviously. Like, his first start was against Justin Herbert when Justin Herbert was at Oregon. And Bo Nix, when he broke the record for most starts in collegiate football, Justin Herbert already had that many starts in the NFL. I didn't fact check that, but I saw it on Twitter, so it has to be right, right? And I did. I have to apologize for this as well. I saw a stat like a week or two ago. When did we talk? Two weeks ago, probably. No, last. It was last week, where Brock Purdy was thirty second in attempts. I don't know why I didn't bother fact checking that. He was twenty first at the time we were talking about that. And I was gonna have my sister record something and go like, be my assistant or something that she gave me the wrong information or something like that. But we'll own it. We're on it. We'll, we're a we're a very humble show, and we we always. Stand on if we're wrong. <laughs> very, very humble. Uh, just so humble. Just so humble. Show. Insane. <laughs> this this Gable. Be- <laughs> it was odd. That was such an odd thing. But I do. I was thinking about that right after I got done recording. I was like, that's not right. That just feels wrong, doesn't it? Like this is not where I thought we were gonna go with this. But who is the <laughs> current? 30 seconds, this is going to be obviously different than it was a week ago. But if we're going off attempts only, the person who's 32nd in attempts right now is Jake Browning. Brock Purdy, he actually ranks the same exact spot as he did last week, which is 21st. But still, Jake Browning is 32nd right now. Ryan Tannehill's 33rd. Kyler Murray is 31st. So all those guys down there have started six, seven, and eight games. Tommy DeVito has thrown the 34th most attempts. Will Levis is 30th. Aiden O'Connell, 29th. We got some Vikings quarterbacks in there too, but we'll talk about the Vikings here in a little bit. More in-depthly about the Vikings here in a little bit. But I do apologize for the misinformation that we are spreading on the Logan Blackman show. <laughs> We're going to have a false fact Friday here in a little bit. Let's just start Let's start that show. Let's do a false fact Friday. Like, source, I made it up. Or it came to me in a dream. Or I have extreme sources around this information. <laughs> and the sources are, I made it up. <laughs> Again, just keep making up sources. The source I made up, was brought to me by another source that someone else made up, and it just keeps tumbling down from there. But let's go over this mock draft real quick. Let's go over this. It's gonna We're not going to take too much time on this, and usually every time I say that, it takes for frickin' ever. So bear with me here. So obviously the top 10 picks in the 2024 NFL Draft currently, and it will change by the time this mock draft comes out. So again, bear with me on this. Because it, it might stay the exact same. Who knows? Let's let's hope it stays the same and make everything easier for me. But here's what it stands as right now. So the first overall pick is the Chicago Bears. Number two is the Arizona Cardinals. Three is the Washington Commies. Fourth is the New England Patriots. Fifth, the New York Giants. Sixth, the LA Chargers. Seventh, the Tennessee Titans. Eighth, the Chicago Bears. Ninth, the New York Jets. And the tenth is the Atlanta Falcons. I saw something on Twitter, actually, uh, before I started recording. It was describing the Atlanta Falcons. And someone said, it, was, it looks like an ESPN article, said, uh, the problem, imagine if the Golden State Warriors ran their offense through Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili instead of Saquon Bars, instead of the Splash Brothers, sorry. Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili, that's their offense now. That's basically what the, that's what the Falcons do, running their offense pretty much through 
Desmond Ritter and Jonu Smith <laughs> or, or Tyler Algier and Jonu Smith. Sorry. Tyler Algier and Jonu Smith. Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, whoever. But I just thought that was really funny. I was like, man, that's an actual – that's true. That's pretty much what like watching the Falcons is. My uncle's a Falcons fan too. So, yeah, my uncle's a Falcons fan, so we were talking about that on Christmas. But let's go over the draft real quick. I will spoil this. The Falcons will not be drafting a quarterback, at least in this one. At least in this one. We'll get to the time picking in a little bit. And I think if I do that, well, you already know, I already kind of teased this earlier. The first overall pick, Chicago Bears, via the Carolina Panthers, goes to Caleb Williams. And I understand why people have reservations about Caleb Williams. I think he's insanely talented. I think you can make a very strong case for him being the best overall player in the draft. Obviously, in our last quarterback rankings, we had Drake May as number one. But that's just for this season. We will go over everything else and get our officially official, final official quarterback rankings out before the draft. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But that could be a couple months from now. So Lord knows when that's going to come out. But this is for the mock draft. And if I go off what I think, well, because mock drafts are not for what Logan would do. That's not what mock drafts are for. Logan does not decide anything for each of these teams. That's not how this works. Mock drafts, at least how I view them, people are allowed to view mock drafts differently. But how I view them is... What would each team do? What do I think is the best case scenario for each? Well, no, what do I think? Huh, how are we going to work? <laughs> With the research that I've done, what makes the most sense for each team? Or what would each team do in this situation? It's not what I want to do or what I would do. So if you sit there and go, Logan, how is Drake May your number one quarterback in your last rankings and yet not the number one overall pick in the draft? Well, because again, I think if the draft started right now, I think Caleb Williams would end up being the first overall pick. And he had some, you know, questionable-ish performances towards the latter parts of the season. I'm tired of seeing, though, his record against top 25 teams. Because again, wins are not a quarterback stat. They're not. They're just not a quarterback stat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I can't. I can't do that. Obviously, quarterbacks can be a reason behind wins and losses, but they are not the sole reasons to not have the records thrown directly on them for wins and losses. And this is counting for both. I don't want to see certain wins logged up towards quarterbacks, and I don't want to see losses thrown up towards quarterbacks. Because Aiden O'Connell, again, I don't think he completed a single pass against the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. And yet the Raiders beat the Chiefs. And that dub will say, Aiden O'Connell is 1-0 against Patrick Mahomes. Or did he start the last time they played? He's 1-1 against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but Aiden O'Connell did do shit in that game. He didn't do anything. And yet, he's going to get tallied the win because he was the starting quarterback of that. I understand why that's the case, why people do that, but that's not how it should be. So I'm tired of seeing people go like, Caleb, I think he's 2-9 and nine against top 25 teams or something like that, which is not fair, given all the different factors that go on to an entire team. And again, how bad his defense has been this year. I think Caleb Williams has had better games than what he had towards the latter parts of the season, but there's a lot of different factors in that. No off the line, not a lot of trust, in a lot of these different playmakers he has, which is clear to see from time and time, which is why I suspect he's running around so much, trying to make something happen. And I think the hero ball, that's a concern. You never want to see a quarterback play hero ball because it rarely works. It can work sometimes, but as someone who's a fan of a team that has Josh Allen at quarterback, playing hero ball does not always work out. It can, and when it does, it's super cool, but you don't need to go for the home run every single time. And that leads him, by trying to wait for a home run ball or something that's a deep hitter, something that could score really quickly, he holds on to the ball too long. 
So that's where you see like the quick release times. Like he's had like three seconds for a release time or something like that. I don't know if it's USC's receivers not getting open or he doesn't trust him or he's trying to go deep. I don't know. Against Notre Dame, I think he was trying to do a little bit of hero ball and then mistakes coupled on top of each other and he ended up throwing three interceptions in one of the worst games of his career. If not the worst game of his career up to that point. USC lost that game, I think, 48-20. to I think it was the final on that one. And the running around, people are going to say you can't do that at the next level, and I agree. Cliff Lanes close up a lot faster in the NFL than they do in college. And as we always say, every player in the NFL is in the NFL. I know that sounds stupid, and you can go, Logan, obviously every player in the NFL is in the NFL. But what I mean by that is not every player Caleb Williams plays, or any quarterback plays, is going to be in the NFL. That's why I always hated this debates of, like, could the 0-16 Browns, would Alabama beat the 0-16 Browns? I hated that debate because sure, most of the players on Alabama and some of the players on Alabama will go to the NFL, but every player on the Browns is already in the NFL. They were the best players of their teams. The Alabama, not every one of those players is going to play in the NFL. They're not. So I always hated that debate. (laughs) It's like, obviously it's not going to happen. Obviously the Browns would win. I don't know what the score would be. I don't know if it would be an absolute blowout or what, but they would win. (laughs) They would easily win. Things are quicker in the NFL. So if you're not insanely athletic like Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick or something like that, or as big as Josh Allen or Cam Newton, you can't really afford to run around insanely. I think Caleb Williams is very athletic, but he's not to that standard. To those like the speed and quickness of Lamar and Vick, and he's not as big as Josh and Cam Newton. It's just not happening. So I understand why people are concerned about that, and the play calling is a little bit concerning as well. There's a lot of short passes in there. I mean, they run the stupid RPO out route play like a thousand times a game. Like it's an insane play. I think Caleb Williams, though, can elevate those around him. I think he can. Ha- I think he has that in him. The Bears just need to get a new head coach. They need to get a new head coach. They got to end the cycle of this draft quarterback, keep old head coach, fire head coach, keep quarterback, get new head coach, fire quarterback. Like it's just the the never ending cycle for the Bears. Like we talked about after the Chiefs game. Like if they're gonna do that, they have to fire everybody. And Bears fans, at least the ones that I've talked to, are kind of stuck in this limbo where they don't want Justin Fields to do very good because they want this to be an easy decision this offseason. And right now, since the thought process of drafting Caleb Williams is seemingly already in the heads of the Bears, Justin Fields playing better will only make it harder for them. It doesn't make it like if Justin Fields plays better, then that means they're keeping Justin Fields. No, that just makes the decision tougher. If he plays bad, then we already know what the Bears are going to do. If that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. It sounds like it may. It feels like it makes sense, but I don't know. So that's the interesting thing with the Chicago Bears. If Justin Fields keeps playing this good, he's not playing like amazing, but he's playing good. The Brown, the freaking uh, Chicago Bears are a late Lions touchdown slash strip sack safety against the Lions and a touchdown for Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. Darnell Mooney against the Browns would turn into an interception. You know what's funny? The Bears, I believe, would be 8-7 and seven right now. Or seven and nine, somewhere around around five hundred. They'd be eight and seven or seven and eight. I don't remember what their record is now. Eight and seven or seven and eight, yeah. Like that's insane. Like if the Bears make the playoffs, then we're talking about this a little bit differently. Then I don't think there's a conversation about that. But then you have to kind of have the conversation about Matt Eberflus because I still don't think he's a good head coach. I think he's a good defensive coach. I think they need to get a new offensive coordinator. Just go all in on getting something new. I don't know if it's going to be Jim Harbaugh because I could see him going to the Chargers too. People always consider him a Bears guy. He played for the Chargers too. And if you watched Mike Greenberg a couple weeks ago, he talked about how much Jim Harbaugh loves himself and Justin Herbert. So, hey, Chargers got a new head coach opening. Harbaugh's coached out in California before with Stanford and the San Francisco 49ers and San Diego. He coached at San Diego before he went over to, the, to Stanford. 
and obviously the 49ers. So he's got connections out in San. He's got connections out in California. He's coaching all the big cities: San Francisco, San Diego. LA is the next one on the checklist, right? <laughs> he's got no cow. He's got SoCal. Now go up a little bit mid cow. <laughs> it's still SoCal, but a little bit more north. A little bit more north. But another thing that'd be very interesting. Speaking of Justin Herbert, what if hypothetically this was on part of my take? If the Bears traded the number one overall pick to the Chargers for Justin Herbert. Because the Chargers are in cap hell, will be very shortly. This roster was supposed to be able to compete, and when you're in cap hell, you don't care if you're winning. But if you're not winning and you're in cap hell, you're even bigger hell than what you would be otherwise. So if you trade Justin Herbert, who obviously just signed a new contract this offseason, you trade Justin Herbert to the Bears, Bears get their new quarterback, and Caleb Williams stays in L.A. So now you've obviously got the boost in ticket sales. He got USC, Heisman Trophy winner, like all that stuff coming and staying in L.A. And the Chargers could have a chance. I'm not saying it'd be a very good chance because they're already fighting an uphill battle against the Raiders, who don't even play in California anymore, of being the best, most popular team in the state. It would take a lot more than that, but that could be a step in the right direction. It would definitely get fans in the stands bar for the Chargers. But would you be willing to trade Justin Herbert? It'd be an interesting conversation. I don't know if this is an actually real rumor, but it's funny to think about and interesting to think about. So who knows? Who knows? The Chargers have been linked with trading the number one overall pick before. I mean, remember, they traded the number one overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons back in 01. Falcons used it to draft Michael Vick. Chargers got LaDainian Tomlinson. Chargers drafted Eli Manning first overall. Well, they could have just taken Phillip Rivers, but they got Phillip Rivers at the Giants took Phillip Rivers at four. And they traded that pick to the to the Giants. Or the pick. They traded Eli to the Giants. They got a lot out of it, too. They were linked with moves to the number two overall pick a few years ago. Sent Phillip Rivers to Tennessee to go back with Ken Wisenhunt, who he had very good success with in San Diego, to draft Marcus Mariota. So they're constantly linked with the first overall pick. So this is nothing new, but that trade does it does make it interesting. You got a new head coach. Or new head coach, new GM for the Bears, Ryan Poles. Get a new head coach, maybe Harbaugh. Maybe Harbaugh goes to the Bears and he wants to get Justin Herbert in. As we talked about before, he likes Herbert. So who knows? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it'd be interesting if it did, right? Like, Justin Herbert would instantly, it'd be like Tom Brady going to the Bucks. He'd instantly become the greatest quarterback in Bears history. That That's not a very hard thing to do. I mean, the best quarterback in Bears history right now is Sid Luckman, and he played back in the 30s. So... We're, <laughs> we're, not, we're finding a little bit of a not very tall hill right here. The other ones you're considering are Jim McMahon, obviously went to a Super Bowl, and Jay Cutler. Those are your two other greatest quarterbacks in franchise history. Statistically, Jay Cutler is the greatest quarterback in Bears history, which is sad. So if you trade for Justin Herbert, he would be the greatest quarterback in Bears history. Maybe not to that extent. Maybe he, okay, we'll look at it like this. He'll be the greatest quarterback to play for the Bears. It'd take a little bit to be like a season to get the greatest quarterback in Bears history, but he'd be the greatest quarterback to play for the Bears. Like Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like Tom Brady's competition with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you look at their history, like Steve Young and Doug Williams found success when they left. Steve Young obviously went to the 49ers. Doug Williams won a Super Bowl with the Redskins and an MVP. Both of them won Super Bowl MVPs and Super Bowls with someone else. And then you got Vinny Testaverde, Steve Spurrier, You've got Brian Greasy, you've got Jeff Garcia, you've got Brad Johnson, who won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, obviously. Jameis Winston is another one in there. Josh Freeman is another one in there. Vikings legend Josh Freeman. 
Who else do we got? Trent Dilfer, the Dilf. Obviously, he's in there too. Like, we got the Buccaneers quarterback history is sad. And the Bears quarterback history is sad too. Like, Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. You got Luke McNown is there too. Jim Harbaugh is there. First round draft pick for the Bears, actually. So, who knows? Who knows? But Caleb Williams, I think he'll be the number one overall pick. Regardless of where I rank the quarterbacks, I think he'll be the number one overall pick. And Justin Fields, I think he probably goes... I mean, Atlanta's the lazy one because he's from Georgia, but that would make the most sense. I think that would get a lot of people back in the stands. They're tired of watching Desmarais, Taylor, Heineke, whatever you want to call that quarterback battle. Justin Fields comes back to Georgia, obviously transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. He's been up north for a while now. Go down back to Georgia, play for the Falcons, go with Bijan. You got Drake London, you got Kyle Pitts, you got a good offensive line, hopefully get a new head coach, and you start moving forward with that. That'd be fun to see. That'd be very fun to see. And I don't think Justin Fields is a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a very sticky situation in Chicago. And you got a new GM who has no affiliation with Justin Fields prior to this year. Because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, or last year, sorry. But Matt Eberflue, uh, geez, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace drafted him. So, new head coach, new GM, they're going to want their own guy. Like, the Jets did it with Zach Wilson, trade, for, trade Sam Darnold. Like, it happens all the time. They did this, or tried to do this, with Mitch Trubisky. Traded him, or let him go, sorry. And Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace got, quote-unquote, their guy. Or Matt Nagy got his guy, because Ryan Pace drafted Trubisky. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Justin Fields goes somewhere else, balls out. Cool. I think I think Caleb Williams will be awesome in the NFL. I don't think I'm ready to go, like, he'll win an MVP his rookie year, or he'll, like, he'll be a top-10 quarterback his rookie year. I mean, crazier things have happened. Like, C.J. Stroud, I don't think a lot of people are actually expecting him to challenge that mantra being a top 10 quarterback as a rookie especially given the expectation for the Texans a lot of people expecting them to have a top 10 pick this year not top 10 top 2 pick next year which would go obviously to the who do they trade back with the Cardinals <laughs> I almost blanked there for a little bit All right, almost I did but yeah Caleb Williams goes first overall number 2 speaking of the Cardinals uh, Marvin Harrison they're keeping Kyler Murray, which I'm cool with. I mean, people kind of forget Kyler Murray was once an MVP candidate in the NFL. The only reason Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime had a job for as long as they did is because Kyler Murray was keeping that team above water. But Kyler Murray gets hurt, Cardinals suck, and they've got to make some moves. They fire GM, fire head coach. Like, Cliff Kingsbury didn't even get an offensive coordinator job. He got the quarterback's coach at USC. It was the job he was going to take, the OC job, sorry, at USC, which is the job he was going to take before the Cardinals said, hey, you got fired from A&M, do you want to go coach in the NFL? One of the dumbest decisions of all time. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon looks like it'd be a solid head coach. Like, I had my reservations about him before the season started. I mean, you look at those videos with him talking to Rondell Moore going, pew, 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 pew. It didn't really fill me with a lot of confidence here. It seemed like a cornball. It didn't really work out. But it's working. It's working now. And Kyler Murray is playing all right. Nothing spectacular, but he's not working with a whole lot either. Like, it's James Conner, and that's it. Trey McBride's playing well. The tight end from Colorado State, he's playing well. But that's about it. You got Paris Johnson, obviously, in the draft. Drafted him sixth overall this past year's draft. But they got to they gotta get around Kyler. Obviously, traded DeAndre Hopkins or let him go to the Tennessee Titans, which still boggles my mind that he decided to go to the Tennessee Titans. Doesn't don't make any sense in my mind. <laughs> but you got to get a new guy in there. Marvin Harrison's considered by many to be the best player in this draft. Best receiver, bar none. And I, there's another receiver that we could have conversations about who had a better statistical year this past year. He won the Blitnikoff Award. Lost the Blitnikoff Award by one vote, which is insane. 
Marvin Harrison, obviously, fourth in the Heisman voting. Got the size, six foot four, 205 pounds. Body control is insane. Out muscles and out jumps literally every corner trying to guard him. He looks like the be- one of the best receiving prospects of all time. Like, I remember watching Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase didn't even play his second year in college. <laughs> That's how good of a, a receiver Jamar Chase was at LSU. He didn't even play his next year in college and was still the first receiver taken and was a top five pick. And it's worked out fairly well for the Cincinnati Bengals up to this point. <laughs> I, I think, anyways. I mean, they've gone to a freaking Super Bowl. This Bengals-Chiefs game this year does not hit the same as it has in years past. <laughs> just doesn't. But Marvin Harrison Jr., I think, is the one of the safer picks in the draft. Uh, third overall pick. This is where we get a little feisty. Uh, the Washington Commanders, we have him taking Jaden Daniels from LSU. I just think this one fits. I like Jaden Daniels in Washington. I don't know who their head coach is going to be. Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. I, I have a firm belief that Eric Bieniemy took the job in Washington as their OC to become the next head coach. Like, there's no other reason for him to go from Kansas City to Washington. Like, there's no, there's absolutely no reason for that. So, for him to go there on a team that was going to be all right at best was, I think, long-term view there. Long view. Like, going, hey, I'm going to go here, we're going to stink, but I'm going to get the head coaching down once Ron Rivera kicks the can. That's pretty much what it was. At least that's what it seems like. And Sam Howell, for the first half of the year, Looked like, hey, the Commanders kind of looks like they got somebody at quarterback. I was shocked when Sam Howell fell all the way to the fifth round. I mean, we talked about it on the show. I liked Sam Howell a lot in North Carolina. His passing numbers may have gone down, but he lost all of his main weapons. Like, he lost his two starting running backs and his best two wide receivers. So his numbers were naturally just going to go down. But the rushing numbers shot up like crazy. Like, I think he came close to having 1,000 yards last year at North Carolina. Came very close. He's got all the tools you're looking for. He's not necessarily like a monstrous figure at quarterback. He's like six foot one, but like 220, 225 pounds can move. But Sam Howell started turning the ball over at a religious amount towards the latter parts, towards these past few weeks. To the point now, he's getting benched for Jacoby Brissett. I think there's a lot of problems with Washington Commanders. I don't think Sam Howell is that main problem there. But like we talked about Justin Fields, there's a new head co- or new owner in there, and you're going to get a new head coach in. So I think, naturally, the commanders will look at that and go, hey, let's take a new quarterback, and that's Jane Daniels. Obviously, the Heisman Trophy winner brings a lot of view- a lot of viewership in. We get some asses and seats at FedEx Field, which is a shithole of a stadium. and has been forever. But Jane Daniels is that guy. That kid, Jaden, is a freaking baller. Like, we knew he was a baller at Arizona State, but we, like, just from tools and what you can envision. Like, his freshman year, he beat Justin Herbert at Oregon. Like, it was an awesome game. Jaden Daniels has always had the skill sets to be a very, very good quarterback, but it seemed like the rushing game came to a such so much more naturally than the passing game. Like, there were games last, this last year at Arizona State, those last two years at Arizona State, sorry, where his rushing numbers are good, his passing numbers are solid, but he just can't find the end zone in the pass game. There was, like, the first three games it felt like, three or four games it felt like, he didn't have a single passing touch. I'm not looking at it right now, so I could be very wrong about that, but and I apologize if I am. But nothing was really clicking. He was looking to run first. And it was kind of a situation where I don't think he trusted a lot of people. And at Arizona State, at that era, yeah, I don't really blame you. Like, no one really knows what's going on there anyways. Like, that was the COVID year. The Pac-12 had no idea what they were doing the entire season. So it was just up in the air the entire time. But you could see the potential there. Like, one of the early blog posts we've done, and I brought this up on the show before, was comparing Jane Daniels' skill set to that of Lamar Jackson. I didn't know if he would ever reach the levels of Lamar Jackson or even win a Heisman, and yet here we are. And we're looking at Jane Daniels as possibly being a top three pick in the draft, at least top five pick in the draft. He's, it looks like, at this point in time, it looks like he's a guaranteed top ten pick. 
which I never really actually thought would happen when he was at Arizona State and transferred to LSU. Like, LSU, before Joe Burrow got there, was seen as a quarterback graveyard. And Joe Burrow goes on to win the Heisman. And then Jane Daniels goes there and goes on to win the Heisman. And Jane Daniels is one that developed not only his run game, which I think he's a lot smarter when he runs too, because he's not just forcing the issue in the run game. I think he's got an insane arm. His timing and touch on deep balls is insane. It's so insane. Like 22 of his 40 touchdown passes were beyond 20 yards. He had zero interceptions when throwing the ball 20 yards down the field. That is absolutely insane. That is insane. And let's say if Eric Bieniemy does stay the head coach of the commanders, you got the likes of Terry McLaurin, you got Jahan Dotson, you got Brian Robinson at running back. Like, you could build around a lot of things Jaden Daniels does. And I'm not worried about how skinny he is. He's very skinny, very skinny guy. But as we've seen with Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's freaking huge now. I say huge with, you know, within reason. He's not like a like the Hulk or anything, but he's a big dude now. He came in the scraggly dude. Now he's got some muscle on him. He can take hits. I have no problem with Jane Daniels taking hits because he's a very smart runner. Now, I say that, dude does at times need to figure out when to get down because he got picked up and slammed like three or four times this past season. <laughs> I think generally he's a smart runner, but there are an odd, odd certain times where he has been absolutely slammed on his ass. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable to watch your starting quarterback and potential Heisman winning quarterback at the time, you didn't know. Potential Heisman winning quarterback gets slammed on his ass numerous times in the SEC. But like we talked about with Caleb Williams, there's some plays like against Florida where he goes in the end zone untouched from like 50 yards out. That's not going to happen in the NFL. Teams will try to scheme in on it, but the way he throws the football and the way he's developed as a thrower and as a passer in college, I don't think that'll be much of an issue for him to you know, keep improving on and make it harder to adjust to him. I think he'd be very fun to watch in Washington, and I think they have some issues on the offensive line as well. But again, like we talk about new head coach, new owners, I think they're going to want to go in the quarterback direction. Olu Fashanu from Penn State makes a lot of sense. He's from around the area. But again, I just think quarterback's the way they're going to go. At least that's how I'm thinking of it right now. Things can obviously change. Again, we're four months away from the draft, so we got some time to change that around. Uh, fourth overall pick, uh, New England Patriots, uh, Drake May. Similar-ish story, though. They could go O-line. Joe Alt just feels like a Patriot. To me, he just does. The tackle from Notre Dame, he just feels like a New England Patriot. But I think Drake May, and I think if Drake May's not there, I do think they take Joe Alt. That's how I'm picturing this. But the Patriots need a quarterback. They need a new They need a new direction. Bailey Zappi, I appreciate you beating the Steelers last week. Or the Broncos, sorry. And the Steelers, actually. I appreciate all that. At least I think, if I remember right, they beat the Steelers, right? I can't really, now I'm blaming. <laughs> Did they beat the Steelers? I don't know. But they beat the Broncos, that's all that matters. I appreciate that. That helped out. But you have to understand you're not the franchise quarterback of the New England Patriots. It's not Mac Jones either. And if the Patriots get a new head coach, whether they bring someone in that's re- that goes with the Patriot way or someone completely outside, like you bring in Josh McDaniels, Rod Mayo, Mike Vrabel, potentially, you bring in one of those guys or you go completely off grid and get someone completely different. I mean, I don't think that because Bill Parcells brought in Bill Belichick. He was around him his entire career. Bill Belichick brought him in. Or Bill Parcells brought him in, sorry. So it makes sense for Bill Belichick to do the same thing. Maybe Bill O'Brien gets back in the head coaching job. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, all these Patriots guys, they're still kicking around the NFL. I think the most obvious one would be Drod Mayo. He's been linked with head coaching jobs the past few years, but I think Mike Vrabel would probably the, well, would be, out of those candidates, would be the best one. Most like, I want this guy. Like, he was there. He, got his, uh, he was in the Hall of Fame inductee, Patriots Hall of Fame inductee a couple weeks ago. Titans bye week. He's there at the Hall of Fame ceremony. 
So, I mean, Mike Vrabel still has a lot of connections to the New England Patriots, now being a head coach, a guy who's been to the playoffs, been a number one overall seed in the playoffs as well. He's familiar with the Patriot way, too. So I think that would make sense. But Drake May, just feel he kind of feels like a Patriot, doesn't he? Kind of does. He's very athletic quarterback. He's got a very strong arm. I, I fear, or I don't fear, I already know what's happening. Uh, people scared of Drake May because of two factors. And I'll tell you these two factors. Drake May went to North Carolina, and he wore number 10. Does that remind you of anybody else out there? Anybody at all? Yes, that is Mitch Trubisky. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are looking at Drake May and looking at him as Drake May. I think they're looking at him as another quarterback for North Carolina where's number 10. And that's what we talked about before in scouting the helmet versus scouting the player. It's a big problem when it comes to different people in regards to the whole NFL draft process. Like C.J. Stroud will not be a success in the NFL because there's never been an Ohio State quarterback successful in the NFL. So that scares people away. So people are concerned about C.J. Stroud because it's a system thing. But no one ever has been geez, successful in Ohio State. So why did we just limit it to the past however many years? Justin Fields the same way. I think C.J. Stroud's looked very, very good this year. At times, he was considered a dark horse MVP candidate as a rookie. And he's going to be back this week. He got cleared from concussion protocol. LSU, same way. Joe Burrow, never been an NFL quarterback successful from LSU, seemingly. Matt Flynn? Jamarcus Russell, obviously, was the first overall pick. Anybody else that you can think of at the top of your head? I can't. Alabama? Before Tua? Like, Brody Croyle? Obviously, like, Joe Namath, Roger Stop, Not Roger Stop, sorry. Ken Stabler obviously went there. Bart Starr obviously went there. So there's like a few quarterbacks that have gone there, but they're from 100 freaking years ago. Look at the recent trajectory of Alabama quarterbacks. A.J. McCarron's been a journeyman backup the rest of his career. Greg McElroy was on the junior Jets for a little bit. Like, Alabama quarterbacks did not project well, and Tua's playing really well right now. We don't even want to go over Iowa State quarterbacks right now or Wyoming quarterbacks. We're not even going to go Texas Tech quarterbacks. We're not going to do that. But we know... North Carolina had a guy drafted second overall named Drew Trubisky, war number 10, who disappointed a lot of people out there. But that relationship was already tarnished from the moment he walked into Chicago because they hated him. That Bulls game or Blackhawks game, I can't remember, they booed him when they introduced him. And he had no business on saying if he's going to get drafted by the Bears. Ryan Pace did that himself. Ryan Pace told Patrick Mahomes he was his guy. John Fox thought they drafted Jamal Adams. They drafted Mitch Trubisky. Ryan Pace has said, ah, F it. Here we go, Trubisky. Insane. Absolutely insane. You can't view them the same way. Can't view them the same way. I mean, there are some similarities in regards that they can move, but Drake May's got a much stronger arm. Drake May is much more athletic than Mitch Trubisky. And I think I like about Drake May, he comes off as a seemingly stoic character, but that dude will talk some shit on the football field. <laughs> that, dude will, that dude will talk some shit. I, dude jumped over multiple defenders against Duke. Dude was talking, like, he's pitch, fake pitching the ball to the defenders. Dude's got an absolute hose for an arm. He's got all the size, all the traits you're looking for for a quarterback in the next level. And since the Mac Jones thing isn't working out, it's not. It's not. And I think Mac Jones kind of got screwed by everything that went on in New England. I feel actually kind of bad for the guy, even though I think he's a cheap, uh, a cheap shot artist in regards to the nut shots and the tripping and all that stuff he does. But I do think he got kind of screwed around in regards to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were his co-ops coordinators. His second year in the NFL. That kind of screws around with the quarterback's development, don't you think? The lack of receivers. The lack of offensive line. The lack of anything. 
for that team. I mean, they went out and got Ezekiel Elliott. Who the hell gets Zeke in the year of our Lord 2023? Who the hell thought that was a good idea? I think Zeke's serviceable now. But come on, there's so much bigger needs than getting Zeke on this roster. So start over. Whether it's Bill Belichick or not, get a new quarterback in there and Drake May is that guy. I think they'd be screaming if Drake May was somehow available at four. Like freaking out, having an epileptic fit or something that Drake May is actually sitting there and available at fourth overall. That would be absolutely insane. No one would have expected that to happen before the year started. Yet here we are. Jaden Daniels' insane run, getting him to the Heisman. His development as a passer, his deep ball throwing. I think Drake May does a lot of those similar things, but Jaden Daniels is, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Objectively, more athletic. He's got a lot of speed to him. Got a lot of speed. Quick, twitchy guy. But Drake May can move. I would, I, you could make an argument Drake May is actually the second most athletic quarterback out of these top three guys. I know Caleb Williams makes a lot of plays with his feet, but hey, do not sleep on Drake May when it comes to running the football. Do not sleep on Drake May when it comes to running the football. I think he'd be really fun to watch in New England, unfortunately. And he could take the number 10 jersey from Mac Jones and make it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit better. At least you'd hope so. I, I, I don't know where Mac Jones will go after this, but... I think it's just best to cut ties. That situation is just a mess. Absolute mess. Uh, fifth overall pick, New York Giants. Their contract situation with Daniel Jones kind of makes it interesting. Four years, 160. It's not like an insane contract to get out of, but it's not easy to get get out of. And maybe you go with Tyrod Taylor next year. Maybe, I would just think they draft a quarterback in the second, second round or something, the second or third round. Like, they could go out and get a Bo Nix or something. Not a first-round pick or anything like that, but go out and get somebody to compete because Tyrod and Tommy DeVito are not going to be guys that actually push – Daniel Jones. They're not going to. But the Giants, they got two young tackles. Evan Neal's obviously had his struggles in New York. And you've got uh, Andrew Thomas, who's very good when healthy. But you got those two guys there. Obviously, the line may be an issue there, but you may want to look at that. But receivers, massive. They've got no receivers, really. I mean, Darius Slayton is still there. Wondell Robinson's solid player. Solid player. Obviously, you got Darren Waller, brought him in at tight end this offseason. Who else do they have a receiver that I'm completely blanking on? Who else they have? They had Jalen Hyatt. They brought him in for Tennessee in last year's draft. They need some other options out wide, and it goes to Malik Neighbors, who, again, was one vote shy of winning the Blitnikoff Award. 1,500 yards receiving this year. One of the best receivers in all of college football. I think he separated himself to a certain extent from the guys in third, fourth place. I think the guy in third separated himself from the guys in fourth, fifth place. So it's just this big trajectory down here. Belit Neighbors is a variance. I'm going to try and speed this up a little bit because we're taking a little bit longer than what I wanted to <laughs> on this. I knew it was going to happen. Absolutely knew this was going to happen. But Malik Neighbors, I think, is very good. I think the Giants need that true number one receiver, and he would be that guy. Whether it's Daniel Jones or Bo Nix or whoever you have at quarterback next year, I don't know. I think Bo Nix would fit that style of what Brian – what uh, uh, I almost said Ryan Day. Brian Dable – what Brian Dable's wanting as his quarterback, but maybe you get like Michael Pratt from Tulane. Maybe he's another option for you at quarterback. I think he'd be fun to watch the New York Giants. Get him in like the third round, third, fourth round. That'd be fun. That'd be a solid get for the New York Giants. I don't know. I'll need to look at who all is available and who stinks. Obviously, Carson Beck stinks. Drew Sanders stank. Quinn Ewers is projected to stay. So yeah, and Quinn, uh, Cameron Ward's obviously coming back. He's in the transfer portal. DJU's transferring. So we got a lot of quarterbacks that would have been available that are now transferring, so I'll have to make sure about that. But Malik Neighbors at five, I think would be a very nice pick for the New York Giants. Six, the Chargers could go a lot of different directions. I think off to tackle is a point, a point of emphasis here too. But tight end, 
Brock Bowers, Quentin Johnson's not worked. That dude stinks. I'm sorry. He just can't catch the football, which is a common trend of TCU receivers recently. But again, we're not scouting the helmet here. But Jalen Rager was the same way. Quentin Johnson's a big dude, but his contested catch rate at TCU was somewhat concerning. We didn't even have him in any mock draft. We didn't have him in a first round at any of the mock drafts we did. Not a single one. Like I think I thought Quentin Johnson was fun to watch at TCU, but I just didn't. That was about it. It's about where the you know it ended there. And the Chargers, I thought they were going to draft Talton Cade. And I don't know if Kellen Moore gets a head coaching job, if he gets the head coaching job in L.A. or if he goes somewhere else, but he likes himself some tight ends. You look at what they did in Dallas with Dolan Schultz. That's why I thought they'd go after Kincaid. Brandon Bean in the press conference after the draft said he didn't even think Dolan Kincaid would get past the Chargers. So I think it's time. Gerald Everett's fine, but I would go and get Brock Bowers. This is a do-everything tight end. He can make plays in the pass game, make some ridiculous catches. Well, at Georgia, he can also be a, a threat in the block game as well. I think he's a good all-around tight end. I think six overall is a very good spot for him. I know it's a tight end, so it's kind of hard to gauge where he's going to go. Obviously, he could go Kyle Pitts, got drafted fourth overall. But, again, it's a tight end spot. Dalton Cade was considered the best tight end in the draft. He got drafted 25th or 26th. I can't remember the exact pick. But somewhere around there. Only tight end draft in the first round. That'll be the situation here, obviously. But Jatavian Sanders from Texas is a good tight end, too. But we're not going to talk about him here, Ridley. But I think he'd add another element to the Chargers offense. I think he had a very nice element to the Chargers offense. Give us something different apart from Keenan Allen, Mike Will, Mike Williams, who neither one of them can stay healthy. Keenan Allen's getting older. You got to get some other options there. And I think Brock Bowers would be that guy. Especially since Travis Kelsey's dipped his nuts on your face like a thousand times playing the Chiefs, so might as well do something. Uh, Titans at seven, uh, Olu Vashanu. And the other tackle we got going to the Jets at nine, and Joe Alt. These are two top tackles in the draft. I think you can put them whatever order you want. Neither of them really give up sacks. That's the main thing you look at here. Both are a part of teams that like to establish the run. Both teams really like to do that. So you could go really either way with these two picks. I think the Titans need tackle help. Obviously drafted Peter Skaronski in last year's draft. Uh, the Jets, they're not really, it seems like they're not sold on Mekhi Becton. I haven't really been since they drafted him. So I think it's time that both teams get new tackles in and then we move up from there. Both teams have quarterback. Aaron Rodgers got his torn Achilles. He's coming back from that. You're going to want to protect him. Obviously going to be 39 this year. So you got, you got a rookie quarterback or young quarterback, Will Levis, in Tennessee. So you're going to want to protect him. So again, just protecting your quarterbacks is big with both these teams. And the Bears at eight. We skipped over them real quick. Uh, either, they can go a couple directions. I think you're going either edge rusher or receiver here. And as much as getting someone like Dallas Turner or uh, Leatu Latu from USCLA would be make sense. Would make sense here to partner Montez Sweat because Yannick Ngakwe, I believe, is a free agent this offseason. Receiver is going to be big. Receiver is going to be very big. And I think the Bears would be very smart to bring in a quarterback and a wide receiver. I always like that. I always like that. I think that's a very smart strategy to do. Get a quarterback and receiver in so they can build chemistry from the jump. Like Joe Burrow and T. Higgins was one of them. And you want to know what they did the next year? They drafted Joe Burrow's college team. <laughs> I just think that makes a lot of sense. And then going back to the Bengals again, A.J. Green and Andy Dalton were the exact same draft. The Bills tried that with Lee Evans, J.P. Lossman. That one didn't really work out as well. But you know what? We're not talking about the Bills here. I think getting Roma Dunze, a guy who has insane, insane, insane body control, one of the most athletic receivers in this entire draft. Like we've talked about this before, the back shoulder throws between Penix and Adunze, I've never seen a combo work so consistently as those two. Makes no sense how it works so well. And I've never seen so many back shoulder throws in one game in my entire freaking life. You could throw on any Washington game from this year, 
and Roma Dunze is catching a back shoulder throw from Michael Penix. The body control and timing and adjustment to everything is insane. Like, super athletic. I think he'd be a very good uh, alternate to DJ Moore. I think he'd be a very one-two combo, right? Very good one-two combo out there at the outside. Darnell Mooney, I believe, is a free agent. And past Darnell Mooney, you don't really have a lot of options out wide. I know, again, thinking off the top of your head, like, oh, they got DJ Moore. They're fine a receiver. But you look past that, and Darnell Mooney, again, being a free agent and obviously having the interception against the Browns, I know Bears fans like him. I know Darnell Mooney, at least I believe he's a former 1,000-yard receiver. So there's some love there. But I think it's time we get someone else in there to partner DJ Moore and give Caleb Williams or Justin Fields or whoever a number one option. Because if they don't draft Caleb Williams first overall or Drake Mayer, Jane Daniels, whoever, they're probably going to go after Marvin Harrison Jr. if they don't trade the pick. So they're getting a receiver, I think, regardless. I think if they go with the quarterback first, get a Dunze there at eight, if you can get Malik Neighbors before, cool, but I think a Dunze would be a very good one-two option with DJ Moore on the outside. And then the 10th pick, the Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Turner. The Falcons never have edge help. They never do. Falcons usually run a 3-4 defense. DJ Moore, uh, Dallas Turner obviously playing an outside linebacker spot. I should double-check that because the last time I checked, the Falcons usually run a 4-3 or 3-4 defense. Sorry. Let's double-check that. I, I will stay the same pick, but yeah, okay. Either way, I was keeping Dallas Turner there, but I just wanted to make sure I was saying the right thing beforehand. Dallas Turner would be an awesome pick. I think you're you're probably look. I mean, you can make arguments like Latu, very good edge rusher from UCLA, but you're looking at a more of a four three front with Latu at DN. You've got the likes of Jared Verse from Florida State. You've got uh, Braylon Trice from Washington. You've got uh, Chris Braswell. From another Alabama guy, another outside linebacker. He probably will go in the first round, but that's teaser, teaser. But the Falcons just need edge help. They never have it. They never have edge rusher help. I don't get it. I don't get it. They're, they're usually the bottom of the league in edge rushers or sacks and all those statistical uh, pass rushing metrics every single year. And they never address it in the first round. They never do. They never do. I think receiver could be another option here, to be honest with you. I think receiver could be an option. Maybe you're looking at Keon Coleman here. Or maybe you go rogue and go like Brian Thomas from LSU. Maybe you go in one of those selections. Because outside of Drake London, they don't have a lot of options on the outside either. So maybe you look in that direction. But I think edge rusher should be, if you don't get a quarterback, so let's say the Bears don't draft Caleb Williams. Then you're looking at Caleb Williams going, and let's say the commanders don't draft a quarterback. Like the Bears or commanders don't draft a quarterback. You're looking at a situation where Jaden Daniels or somebody falls to at 10. I did see a mod drive of Drake Mayfield at 10. That's not happening. But, you know, crazy, again, crazier things have happened. But maybe the Falcons want to suck this year and get Shadour Sanders in. Because you know how much a Shadour Sanders jersey would sell in Atlanta, how fast that would sell? A two Sanders jersey? That is insane. Deion Sanders is the greatest player to ever play for the Atlanta Falcons. Like, if his son was drafted by the Falcons to play quarterback there, we're talking about a quarterback that's loved even more than Michael Vick down there. And that is insane to think about. Shadour Sanders in Atlanta would be awesome to see. I think that's the pipe dream eventually. And maybe they keep Arthur Smith and bring Dion in. Bring Dion back to Atlanta. Dion coaches the Falcons. It always scares me, though, when, like, legends go back to their former teams and coach. Like, it, it, it might be tarnishing your legacy here a little bit. To some people. To some people. But, man... <sighs> there's the top 10 of the draft. <laughs> that way, so much freaking longer than I wanted it to. Good Lord. So just to recap, the top 10 in the draft, we had Caleb Williams going first overall to the Bears. Second overall, we have Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals. Third overall, the Commanders, we have Jaden Daniels. 
Fourth, to the New England Patriots, you have Drake May. Fifth, we have Malik Neighbors going to the New York Giants. Chargers, we have Brock Bowers going to the LA Chargers. Tennessee Titans, we got Olu Fashanu, the tackle from Penn State. Chicago Bears, Roma Dunze from Washington to pair up with Caleb Williams. We got the New York Jets at nine, taking Joe Alt to protect the aging injury Aaron Rodgers, injured Aaron Rodgers. And 10th, to finally get some edge rusher help, the Atlanta Falcons take Dallas Turner to help somewhat secure that. That's the goal anyways. <laughs> and Dallas Turner, before then though, before then though, he's got to play in a national championship game. And there's only one of these people that I can think of off the top of my head that's actually beat for a national championship. Uh, Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze is too. But, and there's a chance... There's a chance that Dallas Turner and Roma Dunze meet each other in the national championship game. They're both playing the semifinals. That's coming up next Monday. We got Michigan versus Alabama at the Rose Bowl. And in the, I think it's the Sugar Bowl is Washington versus Texas, which is a rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl, which are two insanely fun games. Two very light-for-light light games, but it's kind of funny. Light-for-light light games in the what both offenses want to do. But I think what's funny, I think Washington's probably the worst matchup for Texas. Because what Texas' strength is in the D-line. The strength is all around the defensive line. Their secondary is very solid. I didn't saw it. Very weak. I say very weak. It's weak for the standards of that. To compete against Washington. I don't think Washington's defense is that great either. But Washington's skill set on the outside scares me. Absolutely scares me. And they look like the team. I heard this today. They look like the team of destiny, kind of. I don't think they'll go as far as win a national championship game. But they do look like a very solid outfit. I think Texas is good. Texas got a very good run of form. And you look at the last game of the regular season against Texas Tech. You look at their game against the Big 12, in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma State. Like you've got a good run of form there. Washington's obviously coming off a game against Oregon, which they won. But they had a rough game against Washington State the last week of the regular season. So there's those types of games to look out for for Washington. I just bit my tongue. <laughs> but I think with the passing attack that Washington has and their skill in the offensive line, like you're looking at these four teams, Washington may have the best offensive line in the college football playoff right now. So Texas's strength is their D line. One of Washington's underrated strengths is, or the most underrated strength of Washington is their offensive line. And Washington's got solid players on the defensive side of the ball. I don't want to make it sound like they're completely useless on the defensive side of the ball. We talk about Braylon Trice, the edge rusher. He's another main guy on Washington's defense, but you look at the guys on the outside for Washington with everybody finally healthy. They haven't had all these guys fully healthy and well-rested Forever. I know they all play in the Pac-12 championship game, but they're fully ready to go. You got Odunze. You got Jalen Polk. You got McMillan back. Like, that is an insane retrieve, receiving core. When they're all kicking it, that's the best receiving core in college football. And then Michael Penix, if he can stay from turning the ball over, which is something he's got a little bit of a habit of doing the past few games, since the, Oregon, the first Oregon game, pretty much, if they can do that, I think Washington can win this game. But I don't want to take anything away from Texas. I mean... It's not often you have a, five, a starting running back with 1,000 yards of Jonathan Brooks get hurt and then have a five-star running back waiting in the rings of C.J. Baxter. <laughs> it's not often you have that. So Texas has got their weapons too. Jadavian Sanders at tight end. We brought him up before. He's a massive threat. Massive matchup nightmare for any defense. And not to mention their outside receivers, Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Two very good wide receivers. And Quinn Ewers, I think, is a good quarterback. I think very, their offense works so much better with Quinn Ewers there than it did with Malik Murphy. And I don't think Malik Murphy is bad or anything. He's transferring to Duke. Solid team. So they got a new head coach, new quarterback, all that stuff, rather than, again, transferring to uh, Notre Dame. Mike Elko obviously going to AM. Manny Diaz coming in from Penn State to be the head coach there. Or Penn State or Michigan. He was the coordinator somewhere. He was the head coach at Miami before. I don't want to make it sound like Texas is slack. I think this will be a very high-scoring game. 
I think it'd be a very fun game. I think it'd be a very fun game. It would probably be a way more fun game to watch than the Alabama versus Michigan because that game will just be a bloodbath. Because in that game, you got two teams that are not <laughs> afraid to make it ugly at all. I think Alabama's edge rushers are very scary. We brought up Braswell, we brought up Turner. They're very scary individuals. Alabama's obviously got a very good cornerback tandem too. Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry Arnold, probably the best corner tandem in all of college football. If not one of them, they're definitely top five. It's not even a conversation for top five. They are an insane. Both corners will probably go in the top, what, top 25 in the draft? Like They're two very, very, very good corners. Like Michigan's going to have their problems here, but Michigan can play ugly. They can play very, very ugly. You've got the best running back tandem, arguably, in college football and Blake Corman and Donovan Edwards. And I understand Donovan Edwards hasn't had the best season that what people were expecting from him. But you get that ball to one yard line, it's basically the tush push for the Eagles. It's a guaranteed touchdown with Blake Corum there. Guaranteed touchdown. Colston Loveland at tight ends, a very solid option receiving. You obviously got Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson out wide. Like you've got options for J.J. McCarthy, and your O-line's good. Apart from Zinter being out for the season because he snapped his leg against Ohio State, other than that, you've got a very good offensive line. Alabama, younger offensive line. Not a ton of weapons on the outside, but you got Jalen Milrow, who's an absolute threat running the football. Absolute insane threat running the football. So again, if this if they want to make this game ugly, they can make it ugly. And the I didn't want to pick this game because Brady and I picked through the games a few weeks ago before the bowl season started. This was the one game I didn't want to pick. Or the hardest game to pick. I bet this game finishes like 21 to 20 or something like that. Or 21 to 17 or something. I don't think this will be an insanely high scoring game. I think this game will get very ugly very fast. Like these two teams match up well against each other. Alabama obviously scares me because it's Alabama. <laughs> I think Michigan would much rather have played Florida State than Alabama, but that's where we're at right now. We're looking at a game where Michigan is playing a team that had no chance of making the playoff beforehand and now is in the playoff and now could be considered to be one of the favorites to win the national title game because it's freaking Bama and that fear factor still exists. They run the ball. They got a scary quarterback that runs the football who will probably be the Heisman favorite going into the next season. Like, they're a scary team. And no one wants to play Alabama. Regardless of when it is in the season, no one wants to play them. I know you could point out games like the USF game, which was not a great game for Alabama, but they didn't know who their quarterback was. Tyler Buchner and Ty Simpson played that game. They didn't know who their quarterback was. Obviously, lost to Texas. And now Jalen Miller, they figured out a way to work Jalen Miller on the offense, and they looked really, really good. Obviously, the game against Auburn was not the most ideal situation. He needed a Hail Mary to win that game, but sometimes that's what it takes to win. Auburn needed a kick six to go on and win, go to a national championship game. That same year, the game before, they needed a miracle Hail Mary to win that game against Georgia. <laughs> so, like, these things need to happen in order for teams to be successful, and sometimes you can feel like that's a team of fate or destiny or whatever. But all I know is Alabama's freaking scary. <laughs> They're a very scary outfit, and always will be. Always will be. But... Again, I did pick Michigan in that game. I did pick Michigan. Their game against Iowa does scare me a little bit because they basically won that game off short fields. I don't think Iowa was actually, you know, I say they won that game off short fields. They scored their touchdowns off short fields, but they were going to win that game regardless. And I've always said if Iowa had a competent offense, they would have won that game. The way Michigan was playing, Michigan wasn't having their greatest game of all time. The defense was playing, defense for Iowa was playing insane. But I do think Michigan goes on to win. And I think Washington beats Texas because of the fact we talked about Washington's strength is on their O-line, underrated strengths on their O-line. I think it could be tough against Texas' defensive line. 
Texas secondary doesn't move me too much. Like Washington with those receivers that they have out wide. Dylan Johnson in the backfield, too, is a real threat there as well. So I'm going to go with Washington over Texas, Michigan over Bama. But Michigan-Bama, I'm like 50-50 on. That one's insanely close. I don't I don't know how that game will finish up. But I'm going to go with Te- Michigan just because I said that. Middle point of the year. So I have to stay consistent. And then I said Michigan will win it all because I have to stay consistent again. Have to stay consistent again. <laughs> but if I, Michigan wins the natty, Iowa played decently against a team that won the natty. So kind of like Iowa won the national championship, kind of, right? That's how we're going to look at it. <laughs> I was in a national championship of their own against Tennessee in the Cheese at Citrus Bowl, which is a stupid name. We had so many sick names growing up for bowl games, but now we're stuck with the Cheese at Citrus Bowl. Let's go to the Cheese at Bowl. Go back to the Cheese at Bowl. We don't need a sponsor for the Citrus Bowl. Cheese at Citrus Bowl. I feel like I'm obligated to say that. The Cheese at Citrus Bowl. I don't care if you loser are out there not saying the Cheese at Citrus Bowl. I'm saying the Cheese at Citrus Bowl. I can't talk. I need to take another sip of Gable. Ah. Uh. I got that specifically for the Iowa game, but, you know, we're having one now for celebratory reasons. I mean, it's the last show of the new year. Might as well have something. But this game against Tennessee will be interesting. It got even more interesting when it was announced that Joe Milton was opting out of this bowl game, which I don't. Joe, I am, I am sorry. I like you. I think you're a good quarterback. I think you're insanely talented. At this point, obviously the combine can change anything. Maybe he aces the interviews in the offseason. At this point in time, there's no reason for you to opt out of this bowl game. There's no reason. You getting hurt or staying healthy in this game probably does not affect your draft stock too much. I'm sorry. It, it doesn't. Unless you think that you're going to absolutely torch the combine, which you could, but then people remind her, remember, you're 25 years old or 24 years old. Like people compare him to Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson is 20 or maybe he just turned 21. He's not that old. He's not that old. And people want to compare him to Anthony Richardson. I like Joe Milton a lot, but I didn't expect to see him sit out of the bowl game. <laughs> I did not expect that. That did throw me off a little bit. I'm not going to lie. NGL. NGL. And then Tennessee's got their own five-star freshman quarterback starting this game. Six foot six, 205 pounds. Reincarnate of Trevor Lawrence, pretty much. Uh, Nico Iamaleva. I think that's how you pronounce it. Iamaleva. Iamaleva which is just a name built for the transfer portal, right? <laughs> I I am a lever. That I mean that's built for the transfer portal, isn't it? But this dude's good. From everything I've read on this guy, he's good. He's good. So, we'll see how he does against this vaunting Iowa defense. But obviously we'll be out without Cooper DeGene. It's not ideal. Deontay Vines is also not going to play in the bowl game either, which sucks. Deacon Hill will play in the bowl game, which sucks. We'll see uh, Linez if he goes into the game at all. I saw some fake reports that Linez will be starting in this game, which would be insane timing if Kirk decided to bench the starter after <laughs> the regular season in the, in the conference championship game. Or maybe he just hated Joey Labus that much to where he was like, you know what, Joey Labus is now gone. We'll put Linez in there. Which, if that's the case, why, was, why wasn't he the backup to Deacon Hill the entire time anyways? I don't know where, Lane, where uh, Labus is transferring to, but we know Peter's transferring to Utah State, and Utah State let me down in Bull Mania. So no no hard feelings there, right, Utah State, because their quarterback's going to the freaking uh, Navy Seals. I think that's where he's going. But Iowa doesn't really have a lot of opt-outs in this game, which is very good, very good. Or maybe the bad. Maybe Deacon Hill needed to opt-out. I don't know. <laughs> but Tennessee's got a lot of opt-outs. 
or a decent amount of opt-out. So obviously brought up Joe Milton, their starting quarterback. Uh, Jalen Wright, their leading rusher. Now Jabari Smalls, who is playing in this game as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell, Jabari Small is a very effective running back. So just because their 1,000-yard rusher's out, Jabari Small is a very effective back. And then you also got Tamaria McDonald. Their safety's out. Tyler Barron's out. Wesley Walker's out, defensive back. Like, they're missing out on some players here. So we'll see how that affects them in the game, but I, and we'll see how the freshman quarterback does because it's the best defense Tennessee's played. I think, No, they played Georgia. I don't know who's statistically better, though, Georgia or, Alabama, or Iowa's defense, technically, but... Like statistically, I'm not I'm not bothered to look at it either. I'm just gonna go off what I said. <laughs> facts. Speak facts. But as a freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterback, going in your first game as a starter, first ever start against Iowa's defense of Phil Parker, uh, good luck. It was cool to see Nick Jackson and Jay Higgins are both coming back, which is massive. We're still waiting on J- uh, Cooper DeGene. Obviously, Cooper DeGene. I wouldn't be shocked if he came back, but like I'm 90% sure he's going to go to the NFL. And I don't blame him either. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. It makes all the sense in the world for him to go to the NFL. All the sense in the world. With the, the importance now, more than ever, of nickel cornerbacks, Cooper Jean could absolutely feast in the NFL. You look at how Brian Branch has played this year. Obviously, Taron Johnson for the Buffalo Bills, basically the Bills' third linebacker. Like The, the importance of that position is increasing, and Cooper Jean is a versatile player. If you want to play him at nickel, he can. Outside corner, safety. He'll obviously do your punt returns and stuff like that. Like, you've got different options for Cooper DeGene. He can play Wildcat if you really want him to. So there's different options you can play him in. But being from Odebo in Iowa, going to high school there, I wouldn't be shocked being that small-town small Iowa kid. It wouldn't surprise me if he decided to come back. It wouldn't surprise me. But, again, the NFL is the NFL. And I don't want him to get stuck in a situation to where he comes back, God forbid he gets hurt again, and then we're talking about him falling all the way to the third round or something like that. I don't want that. Cooper DeGene is insanely talented. He's the best player in Iowa. He's one of the best players I've This might be insane. I don't know if it's insane or not. He's one of the best players I've ever seen play for Iowa. And maybe that's a sign of how bad things are at Iowa right now, but Cooper DeGene is insane. He's absolutely insane. So... Him being in the NFL makes all the sense in the world. And if he has a chance to be drafted in the first round, go ahead and do it. I'd love him to stay at Iowa, but I'm being realistic here as well. If he's got a future in the NFL and a lot of money on the line in Iowa or the on the NFL, go there. Go there. And obviously he's not going to play in this bowl game because he's still nursing the injury. But this will be a tough game for both parties. Tennessee's offense is insanely explosive. We know that. We've talked about the entire year. Like Squirrel Wright. Squirrel White, sorry, a very good wide receiver. Ramel Keaton is a solid wide receiver as well. Like, this is a very capable offense, but I don't think they ever reached their ceiling. And it makes sense. I mean, you lost your two best receivers from last year and your starting quarterback in Hendon Hooker. So there was going to be somewhat, I guess, of a downturn just because of the skill positions around him. But with Joe Milton's skill set, I thought they would be able to explode. And they stayed in the top 25 the entire season somehow, but... At least that's what it felt like. They could have dropped out once, and I can't remember. But I feel like they stayed in the entire season, even though they had some tough, weird performances throughout the season. But I don't know. This It's a very interesting – I have no faith in Iowa's offense. I don't. <clears throat> but we'll see. Maybe this is a game Iowa's offense works out. They haven't played an offense really like Tennessee's. That's this explosive. It's, it's very inconsistent, yes. And with a true freshman quarterback playing, it makes it even more inconsistent – but their explosivity does scare me a little bit. 
does scare me. This is not like going against backup Kentucky last year. This is a little bit different than that. This is a five-star quarterback we're playing here. This isn't some backup, backup, backup quarterback. We're not playing freaking uh, Peyton Mansell or whoever. I think it was Peyton Mansell who was at the game last year. Like, we're not playing him. We're playing a five-star quarterback. <laughs> he might be inexperienced and a freshman, but it's a good game to get your feet wet in. Sing or swim type thing. You're not going to play a lot better defenses than this, so might as well. And Iowa's not even at full strength. You're still not going to play a lot better defenses than this. So we'll see. We'll see if he's up to the test. And again, I think, like, again, Jalen Wright being out is big, or opting out is pretty big. But again, Jabari Small is a very effective running back. So let's not skip past that and go like, hey, they don't have a 1,000-yard yard rusher. They've still got other backs that are very capable. But we'll see. I do still think Tennessee will win that game. But again, time will tell. Iowa has had a weird run of bowl games recently in regards to winning and losing bowl games. So they've had – they can – we'll see. We'll just play the waiting game. And as for Iowa State, they play on Friday. They play Friday in the Liberty Bowl. This is, I think, the second time they've played Memphis in the Liberty Bowl, I think. Second in the Matt Campbell era anyways. At least I think it's the second. It could be the third. I don't know. This seems like this is their favorite bowl game to go to. And Memphis being the home team, there's going to be some people that go like, hey – Memphis should win this game, but I don't know what Memphis's raucous home crowds really look like. And from what I've been told from very reliable sources, the Liberty Bowl is a piece of shit. So <laughs> I don't really know if I'm hammering down and going, hey, Memphis, your home crowd's going to be absolutely insane in this game. I don't think it will be. I really, Iowa State fans travel insanely well. The state of Iowa, we just travel insanely well for games. Like, remember the Alamo Bowl a few years ago when Iowa State played Washington State? They sold it a bush light in like a day. Like, Iowa State fans travel insanely well, and this game will be no different. They traveled well the last time they went down to the Liberty Bowl. So I have no different, I have no mixed feelings here. But uh, there are some opt-outs in this game. Iowa State, Cardavius Norton, and Eli, 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 Eli Sanders are both opting out of this bowl game. But, I mean, it's been the Abu Sama show for the past however many weeks. So they've pretty much, like, like the announcer said against Kansas State, they've pretty much been opted out for the entire season, at least since Abu Sama has really been taking over the starting running back role. And then for Memphis, you got your right guard, Davion Carter, and left tackle, McKaylin Pounders, which is an insane name for, for an off to tackle. We got to take a beer to that. But I do think Iowa State wins. I do think Iowa State wins. I think TJ Tampa, they don't have him on here. TJ Tampa did opt out. So we're going to be asking a lot of Jeremiah Cooper, which is not that big of an ask. Jeremiah Cooper is a very good secondary piece. So they got options. It's not just TJ Tampa. I know TJ Tampa is the, Tampa is the creme de la creme of Iowa State secondary, but They've got other pieces. Iowa State is not <laughs> no slouch of defense. Heacock will have this team loaded up on defense and ready to go. Memphis' offense is very good. Memphis will always have a very high-octane offense. Uh, Seth Hennigan, 3,500 yards passing, 28 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Very Russell Wilson-esque numbers this year. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Obviously got a 1,000-yard rusher in Blake Watson as well, who has 14 touchdowns. Rock Taylor's there. Not Brock Taylor. Rock Taylor. R-O-C Taylor. Is there 981 yards receiving? And Demir Blankumus, Blankumusi, I don't, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. <laughs> 825 yards receiving. So Memphis does have a very explosive offense, but again, they usually do. And this year in the AAC, they rank sec- third in the conference total offense, 452.5 yards a game behind only North Texas and SMU. And their passing game ranks second in the conference. And you want to know what their scoring offense is? Second in the conference. They average 39.7 points a game. But, like most Memphis teams, their defense is not very good. They give up 422.7 yards per game. You want to know what their worst segment is? Or both of them, I guess. 
They're both bad. They're both their passing numbers and their rushing numbers are both worse than their total defense. <laughs> in regards to the rankings in the conference, they rank third at the bottom in passing defense, and they rank fourth on the bottom in rushing defense. And they give up 29 points a game. So they score 39 and they give up 29 points a game. This team is very one-sided. They're very one-dimensional football team. They're nine and three. They kept up with Missouri, who's a very good football team that play Ohio State in the what bowl game is that? The what bowl game is Alabama or Ohio State versus Missouri? I can't remember. It's not important. Fiesta Bowl, maybe. I think it's Fiesta Bowl. And lost to Tulane, who's got the very good offense in their own right there too, but a very inconsistent offense there as well. Michael Pratt, another guy who didn't play in the bowl game. We didn't bring that up before. But Memphis, you know. They'll be explosive. I mean, there's game they scored 59 points against South Florida. They scored 44 against Charlotte. They scored 45 against Temple. They scored 34 against SMU. 45 against North Texas. 45 against UAB. 35 against Boise State. They scored 27 against the SEC team in Missouri. Like, they're, they can score. They can very much score. But the way Iowa State's offense has been vastly improving as the season's gone on, I know the game against Texas was not the greatest game of all time, but Rocco Becht has had a very good season at this point, a lot better than what anybody was expecting to this point. And Abu Sama has been on an absolute tear recently too. So I think Iowa State can win. I think the effectiveness of their defense, their improvements on offense will help them in this game. I really don't fear anything Memphis will throw at them on defense. I really don't. And Heacock, despite having his best player on defense out, they'll still be fine. I think they'll be fine. So I got Iowa State beating Memphis. I don't have a score. And Iowa State is technically the favorite, at least ESPN's matchup predictor. What's the line? Ten and a half. Jeez. I didn't know that would be the line. What's Iowa's line? Ten and a half for Iowa State. Tennessee is a six-point favorite against Iowa. So we'll see. We'll see. Like, that game against Missouri. I'm looking at Tennessee's thing right now. The game against Missouri was so weird. Like, it was 13-7, and then I blinked once, and it was 36-7. <laughs> it's like, what the hell happened here? This is not how this game was supposed to go. This is not how it was supposed to go at all. And yet, here we are for Tennessee. 8-4 Tennessee versus 10-3 Iowa. And then we got 9-3 Memphis against 7-5 Iowa State. So, yeah, we're going to go Iowa State winning the Liberty Bowl, and we're going to go Tennessee winning the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. So, those haven't changed from our, pre, our pre-bowl game predictions, I guess you could say. Let's go back and look at our Capital One Bowl Mania thing, see what we're doing. Jeez, so, uh, we're almost at 500. Who would I pick this game? <laughs> we got we to improve here a little bit. We gotta improve. Oh god, I picked NC State. That's not looking out for me, is it? I did it because Will Howard's transferring, but man, uh, NC State's not playing very well, and Brandon Armstrong is still playing for NC State. So if this game loses, we'll be five hundred. This is the worst bowl prediction I've ever done. But you know, when we do bowl predictions, it's probably not the worst one. I do it off vibes alone. <laughs> the only one I regret really was Boston College SMU because that game was in Fenway. I literally told Brady when we did this, that game is in Fenway, Boston College home advantage. They stuck it to Florida State. They were very competitive against Florida State. I'm going to go them, but no, stuck with the the Mustangs. Oklahoma State, I was never picking them. I was never picking them. After watching what they did in the Big 12 championship game, I was never picking them. So I, <laughs> I went with A&M in that one. USC didn't have Caleb Williams. I didn't expect their backup quarterback to throw six touchdowns in one game. And I didn't expect Jack Plummer to have a pinky injury that uh, threw the ball short to one of his receivers. It could have been a walk-in touchdown and got, ended up getting a turnover on downs. Not great. So he picked Louisville in that one. Uh, North Carolina versus West Virginia. I'm just not a fan of West Virginia. I'm just not. I, I know North Carolina has their flaws, especially defensively. And without Drake May, without Tez Walker, 
I was a little concerned, but I thought they would still have enough to beat North West Virginia because Mac Brown is very experienced at bowl games. Playing versus Virginia Tech, I just don't like Virginia Tech. And I did not expect Michael Pratt to skip out of the bowl game. I did not think that. So that one was my bad, and it was a freaking a terrible game to watch too. It was 17-17 last time I saw it, and then it ended up being 41-20. No idea how that happened. Uh, Kansas State beat UNLV. Texas State beat Rice. I was always picking Texas State. Uh, Minnesota versus Bowling Green. I said I'm never picking Minnesota in a bowl game ever. In any game, I'm not picking Minnesota. I'll never do that. Minnesota rivals Nebraska as my least favorite team in college football. I hate Minnesota with a burning passion. I've never liked the Golden Gophers. So if they were in a bowl game, and, and if they finished the regular season at 5-8, and eight, it would have been so funny. I mean, hilarious. So I was cheering very hard for the Falcons. They let me down. And then Utah versus Northwestern, didn't think that was possible. <laughs> Literally didn't think that was possible that Utah would lose to Northwestern. No thought in my mind that said that was going to happen. Uh, James Madison for Air Force. Okay, this is another one like the Boston College thing. This one was obvious. Our Armed Forces Bowl, Air Force. Stupid. That's that's the main thing I can say about that. Utah State versus Georgia State. I picked it because Petra Peters transferred there. So <laughs> that's my only reason picking them. Uh, what other ones did we have that we got wrong? Syracuse versus South Florida. I don't think I had a reason. I think I might have just said that Syracuse is near Buffalo, so I'll pick Syracuse. I think that might have been my reason. And then thinking about it back now, like South Florida almost – they played very well against Bama, so I should have probably gone with them. <laughs> then we had Cal versus Texas Tech. I think I said because Texas Tech got absolutely ass-blasted by Texas last week of the regular season. So I think that's why I went with them, even though they played well against Oregon and Cal didn't. But Cal played well against USA. I don't remember why I picked that one. New Mexico State versus Fresno State. I, that was the first game I watched in college football this season. Was it next, New Mexico State versus uh, UMass? So I picked New Mexico State. They let me down. Raging Cajuns versus Jacksonville State. I picked that one solely because Jacksonville State is not in Jacksonville, Florida. It's in Alabama. That pissed me off. So right now, we're 14-13, and 13, and we're about to be 14-14 after this. We had a run of really bad games. And the rest of the games, do I want to change anything? Arizona versus Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel transfers. I picked Arizona. I like Arizona's quarterback. I like Arizona in general. So we're going to stick with them. Clemson, Kentucky. Let's stick with Clemson, I guess. I'm not going to change anything. I already made these decisions. I'm going to stick with them. Ohio State versus Missouri. I like Garrett Schrader. Or not Garrett. Uh, Schrader, their running back. I can't remember his first name. I like him. So I picked Missouri in that one. I don't think Missouri has a lot of fans anyway, so I'm going to feel bad for him. So I'm going to cheer for them. Georgia Auburn. Or Georgia. Georgia Auburn. Georgia Florida State. Yeah, I picked Georgia. Heard they're not going to play that game, though. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Source? Uh, my source is told. <laughs> Protest the NCAA. They're not going to play that game. Walkout game. Roberto Duran. No mas. Hey, Georgia, Florida State, why do you guys want to play this game? No mas. And they leave. Sources. Came to me in a dream. <laughs> now, I met with my sources last night. And they told me this was going to happen. So make sure to stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Uh, LSU versus Wisconsin. Jay Daniels isn't playing in the game, which isn't surprising, but I can't pick Wisconsin. It's got a similar thing to Minnesota. I cannot pick Wisconsin in a bowl game. And I picked Alabama. I think, the, again, I said this before. I think the winner of Alabama-Michigan wins the Natty. I've said that before. So we'll stick with that. I'm not going to change anything, sadly. I'm going to be 100% wrong in all of them. And it's going to really suck. Really suck. <laughs> but on the topic of, you know, championships and all that stuff, we got two championship games. We kind of talked about this on Wednesday. We got two championship games. One of them ends this week. One of them ends this week. And it's against T-Boy, who's been on the show before. Should be a very fun game. And I told you on Wednesday that he texted me and said, man, you probably win. No, I'm not. Don't put that in the air. 
Do not say that. That is terrible. Do not do not say anything about me winning a championship. I'm not putting that in there. Knock on wood. I like my team, but let's settle down here a little bit. Very competitive game. And it's funny, the Bills and Patriots play this weekend. The NFL script writers were on one this week <laughs> with this game. Setting it up a matchup between a Bills and Patriots fan, same week Bills Patriots play. It's very creative. Very creative. And we got a game going on tonight. It is the crap. Who's playing tonight? Browns Jets. The last time the Browns and Jets played, I saw this today. Last time the Browns and Jets played, Joe Flacco, I think, had three or four touchdowns for the Jets against the Browns. And now he's playing for the Browns against the Jets. And Trevor Simeon's playing for the Jets. We got Joe Flacco versus Trevor Simeon tonight. What an insane game. And you guys obviously know what happens to that game. It's six six it's six nineteen right now. I've got an hour for that game starts. So you guys obviously know what happens. I don't. But the fact that Joe Flacco and Trevor Simeon are playing each other is absolutely insane. But I might need to make some changes in there. I got Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall in that lineup. And on the bench, we'll see. Garrett Wilson, the only one I'm really thinking of. Brees Hall has helped me out a lot recently, so I don't. I want to show loyalty to him. But the other one, Garrett Wilson, I have in my flex. We got Ramondre, no, Ramondre Stevenson's out. But we got Jordan Addison. We got Jalen Warren from the Steelers. Jerome Brown from the Browns. Uh, Don Kincaid and Pat Fryermuth. So those are my other flex options, but we'll see. I got another hour. I got an hour, so we'll think about it. We'll think about it. And the other championship I am in is in Noah and Jared and Andrew's Neighborhood League. It is my second championship appearance in three years. Again, I run this league. This is my league. I'm not saying I'm going to win the whole thing this year, but I'm going to two championships in three years, potentially. Just appearing, just appearing. No, not talking about winning it or anything. I am projected to win, but that projection don't mean shit. I mean, my team in one of my other leagues was projected to finish last. I came fourth, so I'm not really, or maybe third. I, I'm in the third, fourth place battle this week. That's the league against Justin. So I was second to last or last, whatever. I finished third or fourth. So the projections mean shit, but I do like my team a lot. Like if you just look at the rankings for my players in this league, it's very nice. It's very nice. So my team in this league, I don't know if I've ever gone over, is Lamar Jackson, Travis Etienne, Rashad White, Steph, who's been doing nothing recently, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Sam Laporta, Kyron Williams, Dolphins defense, and Brandon Aubrey from the Cowboys. It'd be really funny this year if Josh Allen actually won the MVP because of the fact Stephon Diggs has been nothing. I had done anything. He'll cut, he comes up with big catches. I do give him that. He does come up with some big catches recently. Like the one-handed catch against the... Who's the home last home game they had? The Cowboys had the one hand catch against the Cowboys. Had a big catch last week. Like he'll make some big catches every now and again, but it's he's looking a step slow. It's it's gonna happen. He's older, so it's gonna happen. But out of all the years for Josh Allen to win the MVP is Stephon Diggs' least productive year in Buffalo would be kind of funny, just for the haters out there. For the haters, and then on the bench, Jamar Chase is there. On the bench, Najee Harris is fine. James Cook is there. Jordan Addison, Brian Robinson, Zay Flowers, and Trevor Lawrence. We're going to have to figure out some matchups. I don't think I have anybody on tonight. Yeah, no one in that league is playing tonight, even on the bench. So we're good there, but we'll make some adjustments. This is a two-week league, though. Like, the championships is two weeks. So we'll see how that goes. We have next week to worry about there. The other league that I'm in against T-Boy, that's one week. So I got to make all the right moves <laughs> this week. I got a lot of money on the line in that league, too. I got money on the line in both leagues, but the other league has more money on the line, so I'm a little more focused on that one. But not, I don't want to say more focused. That's one week. I can make adjustments in the second week for the other league, but we'll go. We'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. I'm excited for both. 
To make two championships, though, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, but, you know, it's whatever. We'll move on. Other leagues, I should have made championships. I should have made championships in... Jeez, if I didn't... Fi- <laughs> this is insane to say. Bear with me. <laughs> if I didn't finish last <laughs> in the regular season in one league, I would be in the championship game right now. Given the scores of all the other games that I've had, because I've been adjusting my lineup, even though I've made it out of the Sacco Bowl, now it's just one week. Out of every game I've had, I've been the highest scoring team that I would have played in. So that pisses me off. <laughs> it really pisses me off. But, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. My team was too good to be last. Way too good. I mean, it scored 1,550 points this year. How's that a last place team? I just played the highest scoring team freaking every week. It was pissing me off. And I could go on for a third championship. But that being said, Spencer is in the championship. And he used my pre-playoffs prediction to win the championship in that league. So let's go Spence. I think it's Spencer versus Tyler. So Spencer could join us in the two-time champ. I think both of them are going to be two-time champs if they win. Tyler, I think, won years ago. Years ago. But if I remember correctly, like back in when we were in middle school. Like, <laughs> it's been a long-ass time. But Spencer's won more recently. I beat him in the championship. He's probably had the most appearance in the championship, obviously. Spencer likes to think he doesn't know ball. I always try to tell Spencer. Spencer knows a lot more than what he gives off. Like, he's been in the championship quite a bit in this league. And if you're looking at the quarterback lists that we made, he had the most accurate to the cohesive list that everybody had. So, yeah. But this week in the NFL, let's go over some NFL games real quick. We also got the Browns and the Jets playing tonight. The Browns are a 7.5 favorite, and if they win, they clinch a playoff spot. And they keep their chances for the number one overall play, <laughs> number one overall seed in the playoffs alive, which is insane that the Cleveland Browns could be a, a team in the number one overall seed in the playoffs. Like, I thought they'd be good. I did think they'd be good with Sean Watson. I didn't think they'd be a number one seed contender with Joe Flacco. I did not think that was going to happen. And then Saturday, we got Lions-Cowboys. Should be a pretty decent game. And then Sunday, we got Bills-Patriots, which I'm wary of. I'm very wary of. I'm not going to sit here and act all confident or anything. The Patriots defense is playing solidly. I think the Bills should win. I don't think the Bills should struggle. But, again, they've already lost the Patriots. I'm not going to sit here and act all confidently like I did the last time the Bills and Patriots played because that came up and bit me right in the ass. The guy who won that game got benched three times after that game, it felt like, and then benched for good after that. I'm not sitting here being fully confident. I wasn't fully confident in the Chargers game either. Like, I sat here and said, like, they really, really can't lose, right? <laughs> like we're, we're confident, but not overtly confident because of all the changes the Chargers made. It was going to be like one of those trap games for all trap games. You come off a massive win. They make a bunch of changes coming off a massive loss. They're playing spoiler. Pager playing spoiler now. Division rival. Big time division rival game. Playing spoiler. Nothing would be happier for the Patriots to beat the Bills. But let's hope that doesn't happen. And then you got the Chargers versus Broncos is on Sunday. Russell Wilson got benched because he got contract incentives, and I guess he didn't agree with the contract incentives that they were trying to take away from him. So they said, guess what? You're benched. Jarrett Stidham's playing in that game. Just a mess. Easton Stick versus Jarrett Stidham. That's water. Easton Stick versus Jarrett Stidham is insane. <laughs> and the crazy thing is the Broncos are trying to compete for a playoff spot loosely. They're 7-8 and eight right now. They can loosely compete for a playoff spot, and they're benching Russell Wilson. I understand it's mon- monetary-wise, but good Lord. Uh, Falcons, Bears, potentially Justin Fields Bowl right here. That's what it could be, the Justin Fields Bowl. Both teams could be, are the number one, two spots for getting Justin Fields' signature next year or getting a trade for Justin Fields or keeping him next year. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. we got the Bears or the Colts and Raiders, which is the Jeff Saturday Bowl. Jeff Saturday obviously beat the Raiders. Now we got the Antonio Pierce Bowl <laughs> against, against Shane Steichen. Obviously need the Raiders to win. Obviously need the Raiders to win. So... Let's go Raiders. I'll tell you which teams I'm cheering. I'm cheering for the Chargers. I'm cheering for the Raiders. 
Uh, Rams, Giants, don't care. I, I'm going to cheer for Tyrod because he just got announced, got announced as the starter for the Giants. So I'm going to cheer for Tyrod. So we're going to go cheer for the Giants. Eagles, Cardinals, strength of record-wise for the Bills, I need the Eagles to win. And same kind of goes for the Giants, too. So the Giants need to win regardless, even regardless of my love for Tyrod. Eagles need to win that game. Saints, Bucks. Uh, I picked the Falcons to win that division, so I need the <laughs> I need the Saints to win so that they even that up. But Baker Mayfield's been playing well. Baker's been playing well. Rashad White's been playing well. Mike Evans over 1,000 yards again. Simple stuff. I need the Saints to win, though. Uh, 49ers versus Commanders. I mean, I, I mean, probably need the Commanders to win. I, I don't need them to win, but the Commanders lost the Bills. Bills beat teams with better records. That looks better. So I know it's an NFC thing, but we're probably going to need the Commanders. <laughs> Needs a strong word. I would like the Commanders to win just for the strength of the record thing, but it doesn't hurt my feelings if the Niners win at all. Uh, Panthers, Jaguars need the Panthers to win. Would love to see the Panthers win. That'd be so funny if the Panthers won. Regardless if it helps the Bills or not, which it does, beating the <laughs> Jaguars would be so funny. And then uh, Dolphins, Ravens. I'm the biggest Ravens fan you've ever met this week. You will not find a bigger Ravens fan if they were born and bred in Baltimore. Like You would never find a better Ravens fan outside the city. I right, Go Ravens. In Baltimore, too? That would be insane. Because then the next week is division decider. Craziness. Absolute craziness. We got Titans and Texans. Need the Titans to win that game. Uh, Steelers and Seahawks. Bills didn't play either team, so don't care. Uh, but I'm going to cheer for the Seahawks because screw the Steelers. <laughs> Bengals and Chiefs. Probably need the Chiefs to win, right? So the Bengals beat the Bills. Chiefs lost the Bills. Chiefs are a division leader. Bengals are not. So I probably need the Chiefs to win. But like I said before, this game does not feel the same as it has in years past. <laughs> Chiefs are a meltdown every second, it feels like. And the Chief, the Bengals might not have Jamar Chase. They already don't have Joe Burrow. So it doesn't really feel the same anymore. And then Sunday Night Football on New Year's Eve, Packers-Vikings. Fun game. Fun games ahead. Uh, Jordan Love versus Jaron Hall. I'm actually very excited to see Jaron Hall. He did, got a very limited time against the Falcons. Got concussion, obviously, in that game. We got the Pastronaut in who turned into the Astronaut. And then you got Nick Mullins throwing the grossest, one of the grossest interceptions I've ever seen in my life. And then now you got Jaron Hall back. None of those guys are going to be the quarterback of the future. Sign, re-sign Kirk Cousins. Get him back for another year. Lord knows what the rest of the season holds for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know if it'd be best served for them to miss the playoffs or make the playoffs. I don't know. I know fans would rather them probably make the playoffs just because it's more fun to watch your team in the playoffs than not being in the playoffs. I know it's a lot less stressful. But you obviously want to see your team play in the playoffs, regardless if you're going to get your asses kicked or not. It's, it's just fun to see your team in the playoffs. As someone who had a 17-year playoff drought, it is kind of fun to see your team in the playoffs, regardless if they played the worst game of all time in that first game back against the Jaguars. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's fun. But I, I do like Jaron Hall quite a bit at BYU, so I'm excited to see what he does. Justin Jefferson was pining for Kirk Cousins to come back, which I don't I don't know why that really made news because I don't know what you'd expect him to do. So we'll see. I feel bad for Kirk, though, because Kirk was having a very good year before he got hurt. I like Jordan Love, too, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think the Vikings are technically in the playoffs right now. What's the playoff standings looking like at the NFC? They're the eight seed. So, for the Vikings, they need – who do the Seahawks play? They, they play the Steelers. So the Vikings are needing the Steelers to win, but I want the Seahawks to win. <laughs> so, we're in a catch-22 here. So let's go Seahawks. Let's go birds. Kaka, kaka. I'm all birds this week. <laughs> Ravens, Falcons. Uh, I guess I don't really need the Falcons to win, but I need the. Well, I do for my preseason prediction. But Ravens, Falcons, Seahawks. Who do the Eagles play? Eagles play. Who did we say the Eagles played? 
Cardinals, ah, that don't affect me. But the Eagles, well, sure. <laughs> I think it'd be funny to see the Cardinals win. I do think that'd be funny, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see on that. Do I have anything else that I, I'm, like, really itching to talk about right now? Oh, the, this Browns thing, dude wipes. To celebrate amazing Browns quarterback play this season and presenting our sponsorship of the team's white unis, fans can bring an old jersey of any Browns quarterback from 99 to 2021 and will swap it out for a new white jersey at the stadium ahead of Thursday Night Football. Dude Wipes loves your Browns. That is the dumbest marketing scheme I've ever heard of in my life. You know how many old, sad Browns fans are that are 21, 25 years, 21 to 25 years old that despise everything this team stands for, that has all the crappy quarterbacks that you've had? This makes zero sense. Unless you're making those like really crappy thin jerseys, which I'm 100% expecting them to be, I'm not expecting them to be actually legit jerseys. If they are, fair play. But you're not going to have enough. The Browns and the Bills are very similar. Where like if you go to Buffalo and watch a game there, there's so many bad player jerseys around. Like you'll see people willingly wearing Nathan Peterman jerseys. I wear a JP Lossman jersey. Like there's going to be so many bad jerseys there, and how many quarterbacks they've had throughout these years, 99 to 2021. And why 2021? Why are we stopping there? And quarterback play for the Browns has been shit. Deshaun Watson's been shit. Dorian Thompson-Robinson got benched. P.J. Walker was shit. Joe Flacco's been good, but that, that came in a freaking revelation. He's not the long-term answer. So why is it maybe stopping here? It's still bad. <laughs> but you're looking at all the quarterbacks the Browns have had. Like Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb, uh, Johnny, Deshaun Kaiser, Co- uh, Cody Kessler, uh, let's keep it, try to keep it going as much as possible. Jeff Garcia was there for a little bit. Uh, who else do we got? 99 to 2021. So Couch is the first one drafted by the Browns. Kelly Holcomb again was there. Who would have been out? Derek Anderson was there. Brandon Whedon was there. Manziel. Who are other quarterbacks we said? Deshaun Kaiser was there. I don't know how many people actually have Deshaun Kaiser. But regardless, those Brown, the, the Russell or Reebok jerseys or whatever, they're like 60 bucks. You're not getting an equal value for trade here. No one's buying these jerseys. I don't know what you're doing with the jerseys unless you're turning them into wipes or something, which those Browns fans have already done with those jerseys anyways. Like, it makes no sense. Maybe I'm missing the point here. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any freaking sense to me. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But I think that's all I've got for you today. I think that's all I've got for you today. Um, oh, Lamar Jackson has 11 more points than his kicker. Josh Allen has 137 more points than his kicker. That's another one for you. Uh, yeah. Just fun stuff. Fun stuff. But that's, I think, all I've got for you today. I don't think I have anything else really pressing for you. My computer's about to die anyway, so I might as well end the show here. <laughs> it's been a longer show than expected, but it was a fun show. At least I had fun. I don't know if you did. If you didn't have fun, you can let me know. But if you did... I appreciate it as always. Make sure to, again, follow and like every single form of social media we mentioned before. And follow and subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Leave a rating of five stars on both. Check out the LoganBlavinShow.com. Again, a mock draft will be out for you on Monday, January 1st. Again, this is the last show we have for you in 2023. So I hope you enjoyed our show this year. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next year. And have a safe and fun new year. I will see you all later. Peace.